So without any further ado, I'm going to have Tyler come up here. I'm going to pray for him, and then we're going to get straight into the Word. Help me out, because it's a lot of prayer. It's going to be needed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Tyler is, you, you all know Tyler, uh, or if you don't know Tyler, uh, let me just say that, uh, that um, Tyler is, uh, is a man after God's heart. He has been pursuing him from a young age when he was radically converted uh, to Christianity and has been pursuing him ever since. He's a man who walks out what he says. I have the privilege of serving with him on the team here, but also working with him at work until recently when he has been actually transitioning over to work here at Westside. And I'll just let you know that this is a man who lives what he says at work as well as at church. It's not another guy. You get Tyler all the time. And so he's not a man who puts up pretenses or falsehoods. He, he lives out what he preaches. So um, it's my absolute privilege to pray, pray for you this morning. Before I get all emotional, Lord Jesus, we just thank you so much for Tyler and his heart. Lord, I pray that for us that you would ready our hearts to receive the word that you have given him. Lord, your word does not return null and void, Lord, and it is not an accident that you've given him the word that he has this morning. And Lord, I pray that we would honor it and receive it um, for, as if from you. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Logan. Happy birthday. Logan, Logan forgot to say that I am the same guy, but there's a warning label before I've had my morning coffee. That's the warning label is there. Um, yeah, Steve and Terry, they are down in South Africa um, at the World Equip of, with about 10 or so of our uh, other members. So keep them in prayer. They're going to be going out. Steve and Terry are coming back this week, but uh, we have other people going on uh, outreaches after this, this Equip, which is basically we get the term Equip from equipping the saints for the work of service. So they're, they're down there being trained up, being uh, praying up, and then going out. Uh, to do ministry throughout the South African region. So uh, be, keep them in your prayers um, and just for safe travels and health. So uh, We've been uh, in, in the middle of our series on authentic believers and what, authentic, what being an authentic believer actually means. Um, Mark did a great job uh, last week preaching on uh, an authentic believer remains faithful. And what that means, uh, if you haven't listened to it, if you missed it, please listen to it online. Uh, it's, you can listen to it on your phone or on the computer. Uh, but cat, we want to we keep on pace together. We want to walk this out together so we're all on the same page. And this is critical for our church because what it truly means to be a believer in Christ. So um, we're going to begin into an authentic believer is a child of God and what that means. And this, I'm going to preface this with this isn't going to be like a light um, message toward for children. It, it may come a little bit odd because I'm the my wife and I lead the children's ministry here, so everything's going to be kid friendly. Um, but this is this is uh, a deep subject uh, to be a, a child of God. So um, put your seatbelts on. But I'm going to go into some scripture that Mark went through last week. Was uh, if you want to turn with me to First John two twenty eight and twenty nine. Uh, John says, and now. Little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. So John goes into saying, and now little children. He's not referring to us, he's not talking to an audience of kids. He's talking to a group of believers. And he's saying, and now little children, and what he's implicating by saying this is he's saying, and now you children of God. He's not, 
he's not meaning you who are new in the faith. He's not meaning you who, uh, you kids over here who came with your parents and you little children. He's saying, now children of God, abide in him so that when he appears, you may have confidence and not shrink from him in his coming. And if you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. So he's given us some instructions here. And he is setting up for his next letter um, in 1 John 3, if you would turn there. He's setting us up for talking about being a child of God. He's prefacing what he's going to say next. And uh, verse 1 through 3, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. What kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. It is such a privilege to be called a child of God, and we are. When we take that forgiveness that Christ gave us, when we turn to God and we repent of our sins, we can be confident that we are children of God. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but what we know, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. That is a, a deep passage of scripture with, with quite a few nuggets that we're going to pull out this morning. Um, but the biggest, the most important thing that we can pull out of this is that to be a child of God, you need to believe. If you don't believe, then making yourself righteous, then making yourself like him, then the things that he's calling us to don't make a difference in our lives. If you don't first come to know who he is and what he has done for us, it doesn't make a difference. So when we believe that we are children of God, when we walk in the forgiveness that Christ has given to us, Jesus' blood covers us and makes us pure and holy. It allows us to enter into his kingdom and become his, his family, to become a child of him. It's not by what we've done. It's not by our own merit. It's not by our works. It's not by how good we are on Sunday morning and how nice we are to the neighbor. It is purely by Jesus' sacrifice. In Romans 5.8, But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't him dying for us that made us want to love him. He loved us. He died for us, and now we love him because of what he did for us. Uh, to become a child of God, we have to come to this realization we have to know what he did for us. In uh, verse 1, it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. God showed us this love to make this way for us, to lay out this path. I was um, at lunch with a friend last week talking about um, my son is now 16 months old. Uh, I love him so much. I would do anything for him. And... I was talking to him before about before we had Eli, before he was in our lives. As a guy, 
I don't really understand. I didn't even come close to understanding what it was like to be a father. I didn't understand what it was like to have a son and that love for some, that unconditional, like, instant attachment and joy in seeing this little guy grow and mature, even when he's at church on Sunday morning uh, during prayer screaming in the back of the room, I still have this overwhelming love and affection towards him. And I, I was talking to him, I said, look, you guys just don't get it. There's some, there's some ladies who, who do get it. They have this instinct in them. They have this passion to be a mom and they know what it means beforehand and you can see them looking at these little babies and just this longing in their hearts i've never seen a guy who hasn't had a kid with this longing in his face to be a dad it's like whoa i'm not ready yet and then it comes to the point where you're like i guess i might be ready you're not even sure yet you're just i think i might be there all right let's try but I told him, as soon as I saw, as soon as I set my eyes on this little boy that changed our lives, that gave me just a small picture, an imperfect picture of how much love the Father has for us. Because the Bible says that we are his children, and if we are his children, he has this unconditional love for us that is greater than the love that we have for our own kids. He died on the cross for us and made a way because of this love for us. In Romans 8, 15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We can cry out to God because he is our Father. He he brought us into this family so that we don't have to be separated from him. He wants relationship with us. He craves to have us loving and worshiping him. And that, that's how it was designed before we fell. Becoming a child of God looks different in every circumstance. Some people can't remember a time where they, they, their family wasn't raising them biblically, where they didn't know God. My wife had the privilege of growing up in this church. She uh, her parents were raising her to love the Lord, and she doesn't remember a time that she didn't know who God was in her life. Some remember when they decided. God revealed himself to them. He gave them knowledge, and, and they remember clearly the day and the time. They have it written down in their Bible or somewhere where they said, this is the moment I dedicated my life to God. Some uh, others uh, have to research and then God slowly reveals truth to, him, to them where they finally are able to come to the realization based on the Bible, based on seeing what he's doing in other people's lives. And they come to this knowledge decision because God's allowing them and he's revealing himself through the Holy Spirit to them. And then others like Saul have to be humbled, knocked off their horse and blinded. And God walks them through this thing where they're brought to the lowest point in their life before, they can, before their heart is opened up and their eyes are opened up to what he's done for them. It looks different for all of us. Um, but in each case, how they get to God, is it, it, the end result is the same. And unless we come through one of these ways or some, some variation of this, the rest of what I'm going to say this morning doesn't apply. Because... It has to be 
in Jesus that the rest of this matters. Because if it's not, then it is by our own merit. And we all know that we're sinners, so it can't be by our own merit. It has to be by him alone. When you're a child of God, it means something. It's not just, all right, I met you. Cool. I'll keep you in my back pocket. I'm going to go do what I was doing before. It can't be that way. And God is asking us that it means something in our lives. When we accept Christ, there's a change in us. There's a change that happens uh, outward from us. Our actions, our language, uh, the things we do and don't do, they change. God changes them. And it's not always instant, but God changes us. He purifies us and walks us through this path, becoming more like Christ. And we are now his children. And so he has expectations on us. Verse 2, Beloved, we are children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. The big point of this is there is responsibility that comes with making this decision to follow Christ. There's a responsibility. There's a weight that we are now having to follow. And it's not because God loves us, because we love him. Because now we make this decision, I'm going to follow God. And now I, it's a want, it's a desire of our heart to be more like Christ and walk this out. And it's not always easy, but we are to become more like Jesus. So when we look at Jesus' life, these are the ways that we're supposed to be doing things. Uh, the way we love people should be the way that Christ loved people. The way we treat people, the way we take in orphans and take care of the widows and the love that that Christ exuded needs to be the love that we exude. We, as children of God, another responsibility is that we are representing his family. We're representing God's family. Um, Going through grade school, uh, I I have four sisters. Three of them are much older than me. One of them is younger than me. But going through grade school... Um, I always had every teacher first. I had the privilege of setting expectations on my sister uh, without meaning to. But just because of the family name we bear, they see, oh, they're doing roll call and see my little sister. Oh, you must be uh, Tyler's little sister. Yes, she's very well known as Tyler's little sister all through school. So, but I'm setting... This expectation, I'm representing for her what our family is like. The discipline that we follow, the grades I'm going to get, the way I act in class, I'm setting some expectations for her. So when she gets to school, she's either going to meet or fail these expectations. Whether the expectation is good, that I'm a good student and respectful, or whether this expectation is negative, and I'm the one who talks in class all the time. That might be one of the expectations that I set for my little sister. Um, But we are representing our family. And so when we go out into the world with the label and the name Christ followers as Christians, we are representing God's family. It wasn't actually until later that I go into TJ Maxx where my sister works and I got hit with the, oh, are you Brittany's brother? Yeah. I went, 
No, she's my little sister. So, but just like we, just like our kids represent our families, when the way we raise them, the way we teach them to be respectful towards others, towards adults, they're representing our names. When you're at a restaurant and your kid is the one uh, screaming, not sitting still, grabbing the apples, this is personal experience, grabbing the applesauce and spraying it all over themselves and the seats, it represents us. They don't look at him going, they look at us going, you guys, what are you doing to raise a kid like this? They look towards the parents. As Christians, if we're misrepresenting who he is, wearing our Christian t-shirt but swearing like a sailor, they don't look necessarily at us. They might disrespect us, but they're going to inevitably look at God. These are your followers, and they don't even listen to you. They're no different than anyone else in the world. So why do I need to believe in you? Because it's, just, it's not going to have any effect. This is a responsibility, being a child of God. We are called to make ourselves righteous and pure as he, as Jesus is pure. And if we bear the name Christian, but we do not represent him, we leave a bitter taste in people's mouths. We deter people, we push people away from God and Christ if we are not following him. But when we do... When we are listening and being obedient to the Holy Spirit as Christ was, people can't help but be drawn by who we are. They can't help but notice that we are different and a longing for that. It might might not look like we think it's going to look, but I'll tell you what. In my work, when my coworkers are having a hard time, when they're going to go into the doctor because of some ailment that they have or they need surgery, they come to me and they say, will you pray for me? They know the difference. They see the difference. They might not want to talk to us about our faith. They might not want to, uh, us to tell them about, oh, well, this is what I believe. But when the hard times come in their lives, they look to us because they know that we're tapped into the Almighty We take his kingdom where we go. We take his light where we go. Um, So when we do things that are wrong, the world blames God. We want to make sure that we're representing him well. That is the responsibility of being a Christ follower, is that we're taking his good news where we go. Loving people, walking in humility, these are, this is what it means to be a child of God. These are the responsibilities of being a child of God. But even more so, uh, there's responsibility that there is persecution that comes along with Christianity. This tragedy that happened at the university in Oregon uh, just brings this thing as being a martyr closer to home, even more so than before. We don't see it very often in in the U.S. where people die because they follow Christ. But these people gave their lives because they they professed that they're a follower of Christ. This is the true sacrifice. This This is the heaviest end of the responsibility that we have as Christians. 
It's not going to look like that for most of us, but it's a, there's a chance. For most of us, it's going to look like um, when we're at those family dinners with the extended family, they say, oh, well, you can pray because you're the holy one over Thanksgiving dinner. That's a lot of times what our persecution looks like, or being made fun of uh, in, our, in our work environments because we're not the one gawking at the, at the young ladies walking by when we work construction, or we're not the ones who are uh, drinking at lunch, or all of these things because we're setting an example. And they're going to make fun of us for it. They're going to persecute us in these ways. Not that we will die for our faith, but we could. That's the biggest, heaviest form of persecution and that is the biggest, heaviest form of responsibility. But God promises a, a, a crown for us. He promises treasure for us when we truly understand the big picture of what God has done in our lives. Back in, in verse 1, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. So the world does not recognize who we are in God because they don't know God. They didn't know Christ as God. So we can expect Christ was rejected for who he was, that we as adopted children of God will be rejected for who we are because they didn't, they didn't accept him. And it doesn't, I want to clarify this. It's not that every day who we are should push people away from God. Our opinions uh, our personal beliefs that are not biblical should not force people away from God. If people are being rejecting who we are because of what God is doing in our lives, that is the rejection that is going to happen. But it's not because I don't like cats. I'm not going to tolerate you and your family because you have cats and I don't like cats. That should not be. That is not biblical and that should not be. It, we are rejected because of what Christ has done in us and not because of personal beliefs or opinions. Matthew 24, verse 9, They will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. It is God's namesake that we are going to be rejected, not because of ourselves. For the world rejected God's Son, and we will also be rejected as God's adopted children. This is the, the, the heavy part is, is coming to a close, the, the responsibility and the rejection and persecution that happens. But there is a huge privilege in being a child of God. Those of you who have children know that there's responsibility at home, but there's privilege being in our families. We love our kids so much. But in Matthew 7, verse 11, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God loves us much more than we love our kids. And those who are evil love to give good gifts to their kids. How much more will our Father who is in heaven want to give good things to us? There is privilege. There is privilege being in God's family God protects us. I would lay down my life for my family, but God protects us in a greater capacity than I could ever. Psalms 20, verse 1, May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. 
God is a better protector. God has our best in mind. Now, it doesn't, we might not always see how he's protecting us. If I look back at the way that I came to know who he was, I wouldn't have recognized at the time that he was protecting me. But God doesn't have our needs right here, right now in mind. He has the greater picture in mind. And we can't see the end of the road. All we see is where we can shine that light and see the next stone to step on. But we don't see the end destination. God sees the end destination. We go through hard times and we don't recognize, God, how are you, how are you in my life right now? How are you protecting me? Because this does not look like you're protecting me. But he's, he's faithful. God wants to help us. Psalms 54 verse 4, Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is the upholder of my life. He upholds our lives. And what that means is he keeps us alive. He upholds our lives. And it might not be our physical bodies, but he has given his son so that we can have eternal relationship with him and then we can be in, with him in, for eternity. He, is, he has the bigger picture in mind. John 14, verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. God wants to help us. He wants to show us things. He wants to reveal his plan for us, but it's not a big. The, it's not the full plan. Otherwise, we would be overwhelmed. If you told me ten years ago I would be up standing in front of a crowd like this, I would be overwhelmed and probably run the other way. But God does it slowly. He does it slowly. He puts you in the the nice cool waters, and then he starts turning it up. <laughs> but God wants to help us. When we're part of God's family, we have full inheritance in the kingdom of God. Just like if you adopt a child, you sign that paperwork. When you adopt a child, those children have the same rights and the same privilege to the family as, as your biological children. There is no difference. It is the same when we are adopted into God's family. There is he sees us as Christ. We are his children now. And we have that same responsibility that Christ did. But the privilege of being his children. We're not second class family members. Jesus made it so that we are full children of God. Another privilege that we have is that we can walk in forgiveness. We don't have to walk in condemnation and guilt and shame for our sins. We can walk in forgiveness because God's love for us is unconditional. When our kids mess up and they come to us asking for forgiveness, we still love them. There might be consequences for their actions, but we still love them. And when they ask for our forgiveness, we will forgive them. In 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our, uh, give us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is faithful and just to forgive us when we come to him in repentance with a repentant heart, a heart that doesn't want to keep doing the things that we're doing, but wants to pursue him and wants to love him first and be, walk in righteousness 
he's faithful and just to forgive us. If our kids come to us and tell us, Dad, Mom, I lied to you. I'm really, 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 really sorry. We're going to forgive them. But then, this is what we tend to do as Christians. That same child for that same action comes back. I still feel really, really bad. I'm sorry. Their head's hung. Their shoulders are down. You can see the hurt in them. And I already said, I forgive you. I love you. I forgive you. The next day, they come back with the same thing. I'm sorry for what I did yesterday. Please forgive me. My child, I forgave you. This is the same thing that we do when we pick these chains back up and we put them back on and we do not walk in the forgiveness that Christ gave us. When we keep our heads hung day after day after day, this is, I can only imagine what God feels. He's like, I already did it. I forgive you. He is just to forgive us. When we truly have a change in our heart when we come to him he's just forgive us the first time not the second not the third not the tenth time he forgives us the first time it doesn't mean that that if we sin again that oh i'm already forgiven each time we we need to bring these things before god and confess with our mouths Uh, but god is just to forgive us uh verse three Everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. We are to make ourselves pure. And this is, this is the test, this is the request to show how much we love God. Are we willing to lay down our lives as Christ laid down his for his glory and for what he has for us? Are we willing? Or are we going to continue to walk the path that we were before with no regard to what he's calling us to? 2 Corinthians 7, 1 Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. We are to walk as Christ walked. And in 1 Timothy 1.5, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. This love has to come from a place of purity. It has to come from a place of us laying down our lives And it's all for that we point to Jesus. It's not so that they see us and what we've done and how much we care about people, but it's so that they see how much God cares about them. Because otherwise it would be better if we just found out who God was, came to know him, and floated up to heaven. Because being in these bodies, we're stuck here in in the world of sin, it'd be better for us to just be taken up. But we have a job to do. And that is to show God's love and take his light into the world. What this means, let's live every day like we're part of his family. Not just once a week, not just on first Wednesday, but we need to live every day like we're his family. Loving others as Christ loved them. Doing good And taking his light into the world. Being a light for him and a salt for him. And again, this, everything 
that I've said does not make a difference in our lives unless we first know what he did. You can't take Christ's love into the world without Christ's love in you. I'm going to ask the team to come up, and we're going to get into the last song and worship God, but this is a time to reflect on what God said, the love that he has for us. We are children of God. We are called to a place where we can walk in forgiveness, and the job that we have to do is share his love, and if we don't have it, we can't share his love. It doesn't have to be a Saul experience. It doesn't have to be an experience where you've gone through such tragedy in your life that you come to the last point where there has to be God or else what the heck is going on? It's a, it's a decision that we make. It's not necessarily even an emotional decision. It's just, yeah, I believe this. I believe that we're children of God. The Bible tells us this. My friends show me this in their lives. You can just ask God to be Lord of your life. Jesus, I know what you did for me. I know you died on the cross and rose three days later for my sins. And I know that I need you. I'm broken. I'm weak. I need you. We all need Jesus in our lives. It's no different for anyone else in this room. It's no different than anyone else on the stage. Each one of us has had to make this decision to follow Jesus and accept this gift, this wonderful gift that God has given to us. And it's, it's free to us because Christ paid for it. So let's, let's stand and just reflect on what he did for us. All right, as we, uh, we spend this last uh, song in uh, worship, uh, just what Tyler was saying, I mean, to, to reflect on, on Jesus' sacrifice, we do that during communion. Uh, we have the elements here and in the back where we can, and when we take that bread, it represents his body that was broken and beaten for us and put to death. We, we drink that juice that represents his blood, which purifies us and, and gives us this hope that Tyler is talking about. Um, we have those elements here in, in the front and the back. We have our baskets for giving as well. Um, but let's do that. Let's, let's just reflect on what, what Jesus did in our life. Because if we are to be a child of him, we first must come to know him. And if, if you feel a tw- little twinge in your heart right now, you're not sure that you've made that decision. Now's the time. It's not, oh, well, you know, let's think about it some, some, a, a longer time. It's right now. He wants you to be part of his family right now. He wants to sign that adoption paper and say, you are now my child who I love, who I give good gifts, and who I I care about. Let's do that right now. You can do it right now during when we're singing this last song.